This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt hosts, but also agents with Oakland Realty in downtown Vancouver. And today we've got a fantastic episode. We have Hanny Lamam. He is the executive vice president at Cressy Development Group. A lot of our listeners, a lot of people that listen to the show and uh, operate in the market will know Cressy. We've had folks from Cressy on before. Having uh, the VP is a real treat. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Hanny came down to the studio. Great conversation. Really thoughtful guy. I've been thinking about this, and I think it speaks to the fundamental conservative nature of Cressy in their acquisitions and their approach to real estate. Hanny talks about that today. But it it gives a different perspective because I think they're really well situated both in commercial and in residential real estate right now. And they're serving the scene from a, a pretty privileged perch that is based on their approach to the to the business. But it gives Hanny a, a different outlook. And it's one that I wouldn't say pessimistic, but I would say it's very realistic. There's no rose color on uh, on Hanny's glasses today. So it's a yeah. it's an interesting take. And we should say Hanny's been in the industry, he's coming up on on three decades, 30 years. And what's amazing is that. We go back and forth between commercial and residential real estate and cover kind of both. And, and I would say it, it gives you kind of almost a better, like more holistic kind of approach to like what's going on in the market. Right. Because we often talk about residential. We keep the commercial conversations for the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Show with uh, Corey Wright. But today, I, I feel like the going back and forth, actually, it helps in a lot of ways because it it, it gives a fuller picture. Absolutely. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. It was a great conversation with Hanny and, and hopefully we can have him back in the future. What else do we have, Adam, before we cut to our talk with Hanny? There's two things. One, going strong with Jaden Lee's BC Children's Hospital charity run. Yes. This, of course, is Jaden Lee, past guest on the show a couple of weeks back. You need to listen to this episode. Kind of an incredible story about Jaden's ordeal with cancer. He's now cancer-free. He wants to give back. He's running 100 miles from BC Children's Hospital all the way back home to Chilliwack. 100 miles, he's trying to raise $150,000. Adam, how can people get involved with Jaden yeah. Lee's run on October 6th at 3 p.m.? Yeah, and we've said it before, but I'll say it again. A remarkable guy. Really is something that if uh, if you want to support and get behind uh can't cannot strongly recommend that enough of of uh, donating either your time or your money to get behind this. Jaden is uh, at underscore Jaden Lee, which is J A Y D E N L E E on Instagram. If you want to follow, he's actually running daily right now. He's in his training regimen. Fun to watch, kind of inspiring to watch. Totally. And then also you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, we actually have a link in the bio on our Instagram account where it'll take you to the page that you can donate. We've also got a pinned post that will give you instructions on how you can donate. Last but not least, 
We're also sending out a donation button on the live wire, which is our newsletter that goes out. And anyone who donates $20 or more gets a V-Rep shirt. So you heard it here first. We'll put one in the mail. Just- 20 bucks for a V-Rep shirt. That's cheap. That well, yeah, and especially the cause it goes to, right? It, it's not coming to us; it's no. going to a great cause. No, all you need to do is donate, and uh, we'll send you out a shirt. So uh, why not get behind Jaden Lee? There's, there's, there's causes. We say this, and it's Hallway House as well, who we we like to support. There's many causes, but these two causes, it's like find fault with these. There's nothing. Yeah, BC Children's Hospital, give me a break. Oh man, yeah, don't get me started. Hey, I won't. And uh, Adam, uh, last but not least, of course. The most downloaded thing we have ever produced, the Soul Plan. Yeah, the Soul Plan. And uh, if if you if you've missed it, because I, I think some agents find it confusing, or some pe- folks that have signed up, sellers that have signed up, might find it confusing. Once you put in your information for the Soul Plan, it actually gives you the link. It's a it's a real time download. This is a document. Sold stands in our case for start on launch date. It's a document where you pick when you want to actually launch your listing. It'll give you instructions. Uh, step-by-step, how to get your place ready for the market. There's also a checklist of, of everything that you need to do. This is based on you know hundreds of real estate transactions that we've been involved with over the years, helping sellers sell properties in the lower mainland. It's very specific to our market. So if you're in the lower mainland or if you're in BC and you want to use this document, it's advice that we give people in this doc in, in this market that I think is a very unique market. It's a unique market. It's a unique document. It's our most downloaded ever. Go to sell with us at Vancouver Real Podcast.com or help with selling. Both of those are buttons on the homepage of our website, Vancouver Real Podcast.com. But Adam, maybe we should cut to our talk with Hanny Lamom, the executive vice president with Cressy Development. Love this conversation with Hanny, and uh, everyone's gonna enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at marconhomes. Marcon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Hanny Lamam, uh, Executive Vice President at Cressy Development Group. How you doing, Hanny? Uh, very well. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming down. It's great to have you in the studio. It's nice to be here. My, our office is actually just two blocks away, so it's uh, <laughs> oh right, it's an easy stroll. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> where are you? Guys, we, we should say we're in kind of Mount Pleasant West Canby here, and you guys are close. You're you're so very our close office by. building is right across from Whole Foods. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Okay, we're uh, yeah. Spend too much time at Whole Foods. Uh, <laughs> that's why you're broke. Yeah, that's why we're both broke. It's Whole Foods. <laughs> All right. Well, Hanny, can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, certainly. My family moved to Vancouver when I was 15 years old, so I was born in Lebanon. Um, so you know, did high school here and then went to UBC. And uh, when I went to UBC, I lived in a residence for the first few years, and then you know, me and my buddies we rented houses on the west side. And I kind of never went back. So I, you know, I grew up in Coquitlam, ended up on the West Side, and then kind of laid my roots here. Wow. And uh, first impressions, if you recall, of, of Vancouver as a city coming from Lebanon? Well, I, mean, I was quite young. I mean, at, yeah. at 15, you're not really paying attention yeah. to that stuff. At all. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, you know, what video games am I playing? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, definitely, you know, when we came, it was, you know, it was the late 80s. Right. You know, and then for, you think about, I look back today, you know, and I think about kind of real estate and where we're at. That was like during high interest rate times, but I was absolutely clueless. I had no idea what right. was going on. I didn't know it was tough times for people. And, and then, um, so then I ended up, so at UBC, I ended up studying engineering and, uh, you know, but I, I, when I, when I finished that degree, I kind of concluded that it really wasn't the right path for me. Uh, so I stayed in school, did a master's in project management and construction. And that kind of paved the way to me getting into first construction, then more kind of real estate development. Wow. And you did, uh, you spent some time with Cressy uh, before your current position on development and acquisitions, right? Yeah. So before, before I joined Cressy, I was actually working for another smaller developer in town and we were partners with Cressy. And, and, and that's really how I got introduced uh, to the family. And, uh, and we did a project uh, together and, uh, I think I impressed folks at Cressy. And, you know, at one point I went in and I said, you guys should hire me. And they did. And that was 22 years ago. Wow. So, and so it sounds like real estate. So really, uh, what, what was the transition then from, so engineering wasn't the right fit, but what kind of drew you to more construction management and, and that side of the, well, actually, sphere? you know, the way I paid my way through school was doing construction. So I was a laborer on construction sites uh, from high school and all the way through university. So that's kind of what got me exposed to construction. And, and uh, you know, I, it's, what's interesting is, is, you know, when you work with your hands like that, it's, you know, it's very rewarding at the end of the day. And, and uh, you, you see the fruits of your labor right. on a day-by-day basis. And, and I, I just kind of grew to love that. Fantastic. So we were talking a little bit before we went, uh, went live here, uh, Henny, but, and we asked this question to everybody, but we'll, we'll put it to you. How is the market? Well, I mean, these are definitely challenging times. You know, the, uh, what I always say about Vancouver is, you know, at the end of the day, this is, you know, this is a great place to live. This is a great place to work. So the one thing you can be comfortable about in Vancouver is that we're always going to have decent demand. And, but, you know, where we're at right now, and, and it's been, you know, this dramatic shift in interest rates really impacts so much. I mean, never mind just, you know, grocery bills and just general inflation and so forth, it has a dramatic impact on real estate values. So, you know, so as, as a result, you know, everything's in question today. And because it's, you know, it's been relatively recent that we've had this, you know, big jump in interest rates, nobody really knows, you know, in, in the kind of in the commercial real estate world, nobody really knows where values should be today, mm-hmm. right? You consider transactions that were done you know, over the past five years, with respect to commercial real estate, whether it's office, retail, industrial, hotel, whichever it is, all those 
transactions and all those deals were, you know, based on the assumption that we can get cheap financing. Well, and that drove the end value that people were prepared to pay. And, and now that financing is so much more expensive. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, if people are locked into term that are okay for now, but, you know, eventually that's, you know, there's going to come, you know, there's going to be, the time's going to come for a renewal. And now, now what's the value of the underlying asset? So that's all in question. And there hasn't been, you know, enough transactions to speak of over the past year to, for anybody to have any confidence as to where cap rates should be. So that we don't, as a result, we don't know what assets are worth. Right. So, so we're still kind of in price discovery. Absolutely. Right. And you foresee that, like, so in terms of renewals, like this process is not a six month process. Obviously we've been at this for more than six months already. When do you expect, and I guess we're talking primarily about commercial right now, but when do you expect this to kind of play out where it's like, okay, we've kind of reached a conclusion as to where cap rate should be, what assets are worth? I don't think there's an easy answer. <laughs> He's looking for a specific day. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, what's, what's interesting is, is kind of looking at the market today and there, and I would say is that there's a lot of patience. So, you know, people are, have the ability to be patient, you know, you know, the big landlords are definitely trying to stick it out. And then, and the, and then I would say that the lenders are also prepared to be patient and, you know, especially especially lenders that are, that take kind of second and third positions on deals. They're, they're kind of obliged to be patient and, you know, not call the loan. Mm -hmm. And and so in thinking about commercial, uh, how about the residential market? What are your thoughts on how it's, how it's going? Yeah, actually. And just to jump on that a little bit, is it because we've had a, a kind of surprising first half of the year in the residential market, would you say, are we, are we in that same position, I guess? Um, I mean, the, the residential market is twofold, right? So we've got, we've got ownership and then we've got rental. So, you know, as far as kind of ownership and, you know, and for sale product, I am, I can tell you that I'm quite surprised at the resilience of the market. I, uh, you know, I've, it's been quite a while now that I've, you know, I've been kind of amazed as to you know, the values that are achieved in this marketplace and, you know, on how resilient these values are, you know, it, it goes back to how I started the conversation. This is just a great place to live. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, as a result, uh, we can always be confident there's going to be demand to support uh, the values that we have. And, and that is all a result of the limited supply. So, you know, the, ever since I've been in this business, we've always talked about you know, the geographic constraints on Vancouver. And, and, th- and that is what underlies the, the supply limits. But you add on top of that uh, government policies and you've really choked the supply all of a sudden, right? Right. Yeah. So, so I guess, would you say then, I'm just thinking of the, this moment where it seems like commercial real estate is, is, in a, is in a different spot than residential. Is it just that, that, need for housing coupled with the immigration right now that that you think is kind of really pushing that like the limited supply and then this this kind of demand on steroids that that the feds are are by introducing kind of a million people in the last year is that kind of the key factor yeah absolutely absolutely it's, you know it's, it's i would say it's like it's for, the demand is voracious it's it's you know it, it's it's hard to you know, understand 
you know, the impact of half a million and, you know, apparently growing, right? Like right. They, they want to they bring, you know, they want to allow more people in, which, which is fantastic, you know, for our marketplace. And, but, you know, like, like we, you know, like we saw, you know, the way the market reacted to, to say buying, you know, the, the foreign buyer bans, right? Everybody, you know, they were like, okay, this is going to solve our problems. This is going to you know, reduce demand. Well, it didn't. Why is it? Again, it's just such a great place to live. People mm-hmm. are here. People are going to find a way to get here and, and they're going to end up buying homes or renting homes. Right. And, and, and for listeners at home, this conversation is going to toggle back and forth between commercial and residential <laughs> a lot because Annie, you know, you know, both areas and we're kind of excited to talk about both, but um, commercial, I'm curious, have, have investors left the market right now? Like are, have people moved to the sidelines? And then just to kind of piggyback on that question, what about the international component for commercial real estate? Because obviously foreign buyers in Vancouver, it's, it's not really an option for residential, I should say. Yeah, I mean, let, let's go back and say, you know, and start by saying, you know, investors are looking for yields yeah. and, you know, they have options, right? They, have, they, have, they can invest in real estate, they can invest in real estate in Vancouver, they can invest in real estate in the United States somewhere. They can invest... In Australia, they, there's, there's lots of safe havens where they can choose to make investments. And, and so, you know, they're all looking at what the spread is, right? I mean, the cost of money and, you know, and the value that they can create, the yield on the deal. And, you know, and, and so they have choice. And, and I'm not going to say that there's no opportunities in Vancouver. There are opportunities in Vancouver, right? but it's, you know, there are, and there are many different sectors they can choose to invest in. You, you know, and when you say commercial, well, that means, that means retail, that means office, that means purpose-built rental, that means hotel. So there's, there's a lot of choices. And each of these sectors has its, unique, its kind of unique characteristics and, 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 the, you know, and the, you know, the market cycles don't necessarily always align. Do you see, like, I guess, uh, you know, the story, I guess, over the last forever, <laughs> for, for a long period of time, has been the industrial market has been really strong. Is there a market right now that seems to be outpacing in commercial? I would say that the the strongest sector of the commercial market today is probably um, is retail. You know, again, but then not all retail is good, right? So, you know, I would say like full service restaurants are struggling. You know, and there's lots of reasons why they are. And that's more kind of labor and material costs and so forth, right? But retail is very strong. Uh, so that's great. You know, industrial is the demand remains strong, but they're, they're just an affordability gap. Now they, they I mean, they've just hit the wall. They want the industrial rates are kind of triple what they used to be 10 years ago. And that's, that's, that's a lot, you know, meanwhile, office is in a really tough spot today, right? Um, you know, between, you know, work from home and, and, uh, you know, which has resulted in kind of vacancy issues. And then now we have value issues because of interest rates and cap rates. You know, offices, uh, it's not a desirable place to be. Does office recover in, in, your, in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. Office recovers. I mean, you know, in our business, we've been, you know, I think we spent maybe six weeks at home uh, during the height of COVID and then right. everybody's back. You have to be back. It's just kind of the nature of the business. It's interactive. You got to, you know, you got to be able to to meet with people in person and you got to be able to collaborate. Uh, so, you know, I look at, uh, you know, the people that we interact with in the, in the business world. And, uh, I can confidently tell you that, uh, if you're working from home, you're less productive. Simple as that. 
I think everybody in this room agrees at least. But. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm just thinking, you know, think further down this kind of commercial vein, it seems, you know, a lot of people come on and it's, and it's a fairly rosy picture in the business. I feel like there's a, there's a general sense of optimism in real estate, you know, overall, maybe I would put it that way. That is, that is, there's a confidence in, in most of our guests. This strikes me as slightly more pessimistic. How has Cressy, if at all, like how has your strategy changed in terms of like, okay, there's years of people valuing assets at a certain price that's structurally changed now. It's challenging in a post-COVID world to figure out, okay, offices, of course, it's going to come back. How long is it going to take? Industrial went on that crazy run. Like, it seems like we're in a very challenging moment to to navigate like how has Cressy how have you guys changed strategy changed course or are you just staying the course certainly I would say staying the course in that you know I think the the company's you know been around for well over 50 years and you know as a result we have uh you know we have a very, quite a strong asset base that supports uh you know it's kind of the development activity that we that we undertake it is that asset base that uh income producing Cash flowing asset base that uh, allows us to, you know, make it through the tough times, and uh, and it's also patience and uh, discipline. So, so you know, in, in in the height of the market, when when you know you had uh, kind of re- record setting prices being paid for land and so forth, well, we chose not to participate in that, and uh, oh, you know, at the end of the day, it's because we took a long term vision, and uh, and we didn't always. You know, we, you know, we will say, that's to always do this in the long run, right? right? Which is going to go up, but not, you know, when you look at a five-year window, that's not necessarily the case. And so, you know, we, I guess we're just a bit more conservative in our underwriting criteria, you know, and as a result, you know, we're, you know, we're not holding land or kind of non-cash flowing assets that are, uh, that were overpriced. Mm. And and, in thinking about, this moment right now, does it remind you of of a time in the past three decades of of operating in the market? No, I I, you know, I think this is you know I've been you know I've, I've been in this business for almost thirty years, and I would say this is this is like the horror stories that I used to hear when I started in the business. You know, when I started, you know, in real estate, it, it wasn't cool to be a real estate. It was it was all about dot com and so forth, and everybody was going into tech, and um, and I was going into this kind of business that uh, nobody wanted to be a part of, right? It was, it was like leaky condo days. Right. It, was, it was not a good time, right? And, and uh, you know, but I kind of, you know, stuck with it and, you know, and I've enjoyed the journey along the way. But this definitely seems like kind of the dark days. Uh, only because, you know, structurally, you know, like something's broken and that goes back to interest rates and mm-hmm. the impact that they're going to have. It's interesting because on the, when I, we were in the elevator uh, before this. I kind of made a a point about, uh, and and I wonder if this is. It feels like everybody, you know, everybody's suddenly an economist. Everybody's watching, you know, employment data, and you know, and and in when I think of things, it's like, okay, September is there an interest rate increase? Well, it seems like there's been some signs of economic cooling, but the way you're talking here, it makes me think we're that I'm thinking very short term and that conversation was very short term, but you're seeing this as being 
This isn't like, okay, our interest rate's going to go down in the next six, uh, six months to a year, or when do they go down to get back to normal? This is kind of a, a long drawn out process that potentially is, is three to five years in terms of getting back to uh, an equilibrium. I'm going to correct what you said a bit. Because, okay. <laughs> because going back to normal is, is really, the question is, what is normal? Right. And normal is not 2% interest rates. Right. Right. That's not normal. Normal is 4%. Right. Right. So, you know, on that basis, it's not like, you know, the market's going to crash because of that. But those deals that were done over the past few years that relied on those low interest rates, those deals are going to be in trouble. Right. And so there's, there's going to be some, you know, some pain felt on those deals. But just those deals, mm-hmm. but the market as a whole is going to be strong again because of the demand. So it's only those deals that were done in recent years that are going to suffer. Do you do you think that will create opportunities in commercial? Um, yeah, absolutely. There's there's going to be opportunities, and uh, I think the uh, you know the folks that uh, you know have the ability, have the capital, have the you know the liquidity. To be able to react to the opportunities when they come up are gonna are gonna benefit for sure. Just thinking about these, does that include residential? Like in terms of, I guess when when like in regards to Adam's question, presumably we're talking about kind of development sites there. What about overall? And I know you said the market should be be strong. You're gonna look at deals, but is there going to be opportunities kind of across the board? Do you think? Mom and pop investors are are. Is there moments where supply is going to increase quite dramatically over the next couple of years? So it's the supply question, and my belief is that the supply is not going to increase dramatically because municipalities can't get out of their own way. I think that's uh, that's my experience in that you know there is uh, a mindset among kind of municipal staff and municipal governments that, uh, you know, they have to protect affordability, but, uh, you know, invariably the policies that get uh, enacted to do that undermine the opportunity to create more supply. In in thinking about like, so does the supply kind of save the residential market? Is that your, like, or does, it, does or, government kind of save, or, or does, save the owners government, of real estate? And, and meaning when I say save, I mean, keeping it resilient, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and this, that's the irony of it all. It's, it is government policy that is making housing so unaffordable. Um, it's, you know, the, yeah, it's kind of the, the, the kind of the misdirected actions that, you know, that, that are just, working so hard to limit prosperity, mm-hmm. which means if you limit the ability to, for investors to prosper off residential real estate, it means you're not attracting capital to residential real estate development, which means housing just won't get built. So un- unless government is going to decide to build and finance everything, you know, capital is going to go elsewhere because capital is mobile and they're going to chase uh, opportunities that have a, uh, and a greater return, there's there's definitely, you know, people want return, but they also want safety and reliability. And and this is where, you know, Vancouver always remains an attractive market because it is, you know, it is seen as a safe haven. So yes, people will invest here because they're okay to accept a lower return, but how much lower will they accept? Mm-hmm. You know, we've asked this question 
usually it's, you know, your favorite niece uh, is looking to buy an investment property or some sort of real estate investment in Vancouver. What would you advise her to buy? Uh, Maybe I'll change that to say your favorite niece is asking you, hey, I got some capital. I'm looking to potentially deploy it commercial or residential in Metro Vancouver. Is the last half of 2023 a good time to be deploying it? Uh, Maybe we'll start with residential. Yeah. So very specific. First of all, all about (laughs) I generally do not speculate. Um, I don't, you know, I don't try and forecast. It's, it's pointless that there's so much beyond our control and my, you know, and my ability to predict things that I, I would never tell anybody, you know, when it's a good time to make an investment. What I would say is that, you know, if my niece wants to buy a condo, for example, I would, you know, as an investment, I would tell her, as long as it's a long-term investment, you're pretty much safe buying anything. But whatever you buy should be something that that is good enough and of a, you know, a certain quality that you would be prepared to live in it because that's who your end market is uh, is going to be like, right? So, you know, always buy a Cressy condo. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you're going to be okay. But it, it's that actually that ties into we've talked over the years of about like kind of tier one product always stands the test of time. And I, I think it's and I remember back, this was a, over a decade ago, an investor client of mine, but that was his rule was I'll only buy a rental that I would live in myself. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, right? Is, is it has to be something that is, that it's a box uh, ticker across the board, right? Like it has to be something that when you put it on the market, it appeals to investors, it appeals to end users, it appeals to everybody. Absolutely. So maybe it just out of curiosity, going down that line of reasoning, okay, so something uh, apart, apart from the Cressy component of tier one, Long term, it's a, it's a, it's always a good time to to buy neighborhoods. Is there, an, is there either Cressy or yourself? Are you excited about a certain certain neighborhoods or municipalities in in the Lower Mainland? Um, I, I think, you know, as, as far as neighborhoods are concerned, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of maybe it's a bad thing to say, but it's you know, it's you got to look at renewal, and I think that's where the you know the greatest opportunity for capital appreciation are found is, you know, what is that neighborhood that is being renewed, which is going to see a dramatic rise in values? You know, if, if you were to go buy, you know, a condo on the West side, well, it's going to be expensive. It's going to always be expensive, but you're not going to see that jump in value, Mm -hmm. but you know, you go buy, you know, a condo on Fraser street, right. And it's like, okay, there's potential here. Right. And you know, it's, it can, it can get better. Maybe not as fast as you want it to, but uh, you know, it will definitely get better. Mm -hmm. Now you gotta be careful that, not all neighborhoods have the opportunity to get better. And well, first of all, I just want to ask, are there any areas that you see that maybe don't have the potential to get better that there's a lot of hype around? Well, I mean, I, I just think back to kind of earlier in my career and, uh, you know, there was a big push, you know, to get to uh, redevelop, uh, you know, neighborhoods uh, in and around the downtown east side. Right. Well, that didn't work out. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and not be, not because of a you know of a lack of good intentions. It's just you know there there are so many pressures, and you know at the end of the day, you know we are we are socially minded, and as a result, we have to uh, you know take care of folks, and you know we 
don't just put them on buses and ship them away. That's not what we do. We look after them. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. Right. And and so I, I, I love this idea of renewal, like looking for the, the biggest upswing in renewal pro, or renewal areas. And I mean, this makes me think of transit-oriented development and and going into areas where sky trains are going and sky sky train stations. The only thing is, are you noticing? Like we talk about it a lot on our show about how it seems like everything is so expensive, almost regardless of where. Like prices, like there used to be gaps in the market that existed that almost no longer exist. Are you feeling that? And are is Cressy? Are people talking about that at Cressy? Well, in our boardroom, we definitely have those conversations. And when we look at, you know, values between, say, you know, East Vancouver and Surrey. Right. And like, there's just no spread. Right. Like, what, what happened to the spread? Right. Um, so, yeah, but that's, that's all supply. It's a supply issue. Right. You know, and then I think the thing about my, my struggle with transit oriented is that uh, you, you look at these projects and the scale of them. Uh, you know, the size of these towers, the complexity of these towers, the, you know, the mixed use nature of them. Uh, you have, you know, your, your, the municipal policies are requiring that you know, each project have, you know, residential strata, residential rental, below market rental, office component, retail component, all within these, you know, these projects that are at the, tra- at these transit nodes. And it, and it makes the projects very complex and very difficult to execute. And, you know, as a result, very risky. And, uh, and you see that, you know, and my observation is that, you know, these projects become, uh, more investment oriented than end user driven only because you have to get, you have to figure out how to get them built. So you need to attract investors to get them built. Hmm. Just thinking about the the spread between Surrey and East Van, and it kind of goes back to this, well, maybe it doesn't actually. Do you see that spread coming back? Like, is there actually, does, does Surrey look expensive or does East Van look cheap or, does it or do both apply or, <laughs> or is it just, or is there a flattening out? Because like, especially some of the, the marketers, uh, the marketing company uh, executives we've had on the show talk about kind of a flattening out. This is a new normal, you know, uh, 
Burnaby's the center of the universe. It's not downtown or or the the Tri Cities. Like, how does Cressy analyze that shift in terms of kind of a longer term vision? I mean, like, you know, how do I justify it? Is is I, you know, it's it's because you know downtown is not the draw that it used to be. Right. You don't you don't have to work downtown. That's not you know people aren't choosing to be on transit so they can go downtown. They're choosing to be on transit because of mobility. But these transit nodes are, you know, fully functioning, you know, own little communities, right? Communities, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, so as a result, you know, you got to kind of take your mind away from oh everybody's just trying to get downtown. That's not the case anymore. Right. You know, going back to my question, I just wanted to because we start I started with Denise and we did the residential. Now Denise is interested in commercial. I feel like your answer is potentially a little different. Maybe not. Um, she's got capital. She's interested in in commercial real estate. What, if anything, would you be advising her to buy in the next six months, say? Well, if she wants to buy commercial real estate, I would say, you know, the best choice for her is to buy retail strata is what I would uh, recommend. But she's going to need a lot more capital than she would have needed a while ago because, you know, for the same reason, you know, the financing is not uh, as plentiful. Mm-hmm. as it used to be. So her mortgage is going to be smaller than it would have been. And and always keep in mind that uh, the thing about commercial is that it actually also takes capital to attract a tenant, right? You gotta, you know, you don't have to, but you know, in order to get a good deal done, you have to, you know, help the tenant out with some of their improvements. You have to sit there while, you know, and wait while they build out their space. So, you know, there's, you know, there's kind of vacancy shoes that you gotta, you know, kind of, take into account yeah, and cost and it, you know, costs money to get space leased and, and uh, yeah, it just takes deeper pockets, deeper pockets. Have you noticed lease uh, agreements kind of generally? And I don't know if you can speak to this changing over the last couple of years. Do tenants have a lot more ability to negotiate a better lease right now than they did say a couple of years back? Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. I think, uh, you know, you know, sophisticated landlords, you know, have their forms of lease and they stick by them and they don't really, we don't, we don't negotiate our lease. Like it's pretty much, it is what it is. Take it or leave it. You know, the, but when, but when you, you know, work with a kind of sophisticated landlord, uh, you know what you're going to get, or you know that you're going to be treated a certain way when you're dealing with, you know, a smaller kind of one-off landlord. I think you want to be more careful about, uh, you know, the lease you negotiate as a tenant because they're probably less likely to be professional. That, that, that was Matt's way of asking if we should be on a triple net here. I, I was going to say, <laughs> are we overpaying for the studio was basically the question. Yeah, I mean, any, you know, any, any landlord worth his salt would, would insist on a triple net lease. Right, yeah. of course. <laughs> okay. So I, I want to get into, because I mean, I, uh, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us would love to be a fly on the wall in the Cressy boardroom here. What, what about like, does Cressy look to other global cities for inspiration, both on the residential or the commercial? Like, I, I'm curious in kind of the what what you're thinking about in what's happening in in other cities, or if if Vancouver kind of models itself off of other cities, or if there's parallels, and then also just general trends that you're kind of monitoring. If you can talk about that, yeah, I mean, I think Vancouver's been a leader. And, you know, we've had so much development and, you know, we, we have really good development developers in this town and the developers in this town have gone abroad 
you know, and built elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, many of our peers have chosen to go to other cities and, you know, and contribute uh, their expertise there. Uh, so I'd say, no, we're more of a leader, um, definitely in the North American context. Personally, I'm not that experienced beyond the North American context. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've been done enough traveling to, to really be a, kind of a good judge. What I do pay attention to uh, nowadays more than anything, and it's, you know, it's less about uh, you know design and so forth. It's more about uh, you know how do we achieve you know affordability. That is uh, our focus. That is what we spent most of our time on. That's what we research uh, more than anything else today. Is how do we you know help with the you know the crises that we have in the city, and we have you know we definitely have a supply crisis crisis and we have an affordability crisis and those things are very much tied together but uh that is what we spend our our sleepless hours on right and is that i mean i think everybody i mean it goes without saying i think everybody in this room loves vancouver and and understands that this is it's a very damaging for people that live here and for the future of the city how unaffordable it is but is there i'm curious in terms of a, a business motivation there does, is Cressy thinking about the affordability challenge uh, strategically as well? Uh, absolutely. But, but you got to remember that this is our home. Right. You know, we we want to see this city flourish and, and do well. And, you know, if, if we can't have, you know, that affordable housing and plentiful supply, then, you know, we're not going to be able to, you know, attract the, the folks that make everything, you know, so wonderful and make the city so livable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, without, you know, without workers being able to live here, we can't have a great city. So it's, it's, maybe it's a bit self-serving, but because this is our home, but that's what we're truly concerned about. I feel like at the end of the day, it's short-sighted to look at, at a potential upswing from the affordability issue in the short term, right? Like the city being a better city, a thriving city, a thriving city long-term is, is always the best approach for anyone who operates in business in the city, right? So yeah. I'm also curious, like, because I know Cressy, I'm blanking on the name right now, um, but the project in Kelowna. Uh, Kiban. Uh, yeah, thank you. But Cressy operates throughout the province. So I guess it's kind of twofold. One is, are there other areas in the province that you're excited about specifically as Hany outside of your the Cressy umbrella? But then also is Cressy, is Cressy thinking about other spots in, in the province uh, in the near future? I would say, you know, we're more greater Vancouver focused uh, than anything. Um, you know, we, we don't have a plan. You know, we don't set targets. We react to opportunities. And uh, you know, if there's an opportunity, we will react. And, and I think the, you know, Kelowna, for example, is, you know, is definitely a growth market. So we keep our eyes on Kelowna. You know, growth markets, that's, that's what we pay attention to in general. So you got to have population growth. And, uh, and as long as you have that, then, you know, we'll, you know, we'll look at those markets. Do you, and this is, a, this is a summer question because forest fires and you were just in Tofino and we were talking about the challenges that they face this summer. And there was just this Hawaii disaster tragedy that. Lahaina. Yeah. Happened. I, I think Brendan Augmentson was in the studio a week or two ago and he was headed to Hawaii. I was just thinking yeah. about that this morning. Tra- travel has become so challenging just with the, uh, in the last couple of years, but d- does that factor in to, to the interior? Like, is there a, you know, or are you like, or is Cressy like kind of everybody else where it's like, once it starts raining again, we forget about the fire season. <laughs> 
I, I think, you know, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the fires, I, th- I think that it's something that, uh, you know, you just kind of learn to live with. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it's, you know, yes, we have fires in BC, but it's not only in BC. Right. It's everywhere. Yeah. This is the thing. It's, it's you know, you can't, you know, start worrying and say, say okay, you know, BC interior is like fire hazard. But sure, you can have fires, but you can have fires literally anywhere. Right. Why? Just surrounded by water. Right. right. So, so I, yeah, I don't think that is uh, kind of preventing anybody from making, you know, decisions about where they buy recreational property. Right. One, it actually, the market suggests the same, right? It's, it's. It's been going gangbusters for for years. So maybe as a as a final question, Henny, I know you're you don't like forecasting. I think I know the answer in the commercial market. It sounds like it's a little touch and go price discovery for a while. W- what about in terms of residential market? Kind of the fall, maybe into twenty twenty four. What are your thoughts? Are we going to continue? as we did in the spring, low inventory, decent demand, but price stability, or or do things change? I can tell you how I deal with things. I The way I look at uh, opportunities is I say, I don't, again, I don't try and speculate. So everything is today, today, today. You know, it's today's cost, today's revenues, you know, today's rates. And as long as, you know, you, you stay disciplined then and take, those things into consideration as of today, then you're going to be fine because when things adjust, they respond to each other, right? You know, costs go up, revenues go up, rates go up, costs go down, right? So, you know, so it's all linked. So as, as long as you stay disciplined and, uh, you know, you, you pick a moment in time and you, you know, base your underwriting, you know, on those parameters as of that day, then you're going to be fine. So really, that's a long way of saying, I think you can assume price stability. Is there going to be some swings up and down? Sure, but they're going to be minor. I think the you know I think more than anything, uh, the market is going to be you know driven by end users. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of less investor activity. I think uh, you know kind of as long as the product is uh, family oriented, it's about new home creation, right? So what drives new home creation? It's it's new families, right? So so. As long as your product is, uh, you know, designed uh, to meet that demand, then you're going to be okay. Um, and then we can't forget that the other kind of big demand driver is is the downsizer. Boomers, you know, they're still doing their thing. They're still driving the market very much. So, you know, as they downsize and you know, sell their homes, they're going to be looking for kind of that downsizer product. Bodes well for our listing at Arbutus Ridge. <laughs> one of our favorite Cressy developments. I and, and and I just want to put a bit of a bow on that. If anything, I'm hearing it's kind of the real disaster is the people that that messed up on their pro forma in the sense that they didn't provide enough contingencies for themselves, right? It, like the people that that wrote everything on low interest rates and and the and and a future up to, upswing that maybe isn't here. Too rosy. Yeah, and you got to remember that you know that you know these performers, these budgets are prepared so well in advance, right? So yes, you know, so we've had interest rates, you know, that, that have jumped up, but we, but what about costs? Nobody expected, nobody could have predicted this kind of escalation in costs, mm-hmm. right? Like double digit escalation. It's, 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 uh, it has a dramatic impact on the bottom line. So I think you, you know, you're going to see, you know, it's not going to be publicized, but, uh, you know, a lot of these projects that are underway and being built right now, they're being built for no profit, right? There's no developer profit still. So just as a 
just thinking about this, um, and it's the larger kind of supply issues that we have and, you know, government and all the other challenges aside, pre-sales have largely financed development here. Now, it sounds like you're saying, okay, it's, it's going to be largely end users moving through the market, getting into the market that are going to drive demand. They don't necessarily like buying something three, four years out. Um, or it's a specific person that's looking for that, right? Most people are looking for something over there. They need a roof over their head, you know, in the next month or two. Yep. What's your take on how we actually finance new construction over the next couple of years? If A, developers, at least right now, are not making any money, and B, a lot of the investors, whether offshore pre-2016 or or locals and Canadians, are not there to invest in real estate. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we, so it, it is something that I've been concerned about. And if you look at uh, the pipeline of projects that uh, Cressy has, you will see that there is no high rise in our pipeline right now. Right. Um, that's indicative of that concern. So, you know, if we want to see high rise construction remain feasible, uh, we have to find a way, and I put that on government's shoulders, to make it attractive for investors to support high-rise concrete construction. And uh, so so when we say, oh, you know, we're going to introduce a foreign buyer ban, well, we just cut out a lot of investors. Right. That is very short-sighted and that's very knee-jerk and pardon me by saying stupid. It was a stupid thing to do and it's really going to hurt um, the supply side of the equation. Does the foreign buyer ban, I mean, politically, it seems impossible to to go back on that. But I feel like every policy, it's so hard to reverse policies once they're implemented. Right. But it does seem like in a, in a, in an increasingly desperate moment where people need investment in housing, I don't even know if it's there internationally right now either, but, but regardless, you're, yeah, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Hanny, maybe we'll leave it there on a on a on a <laughs> on a rosy point. We have this segment called the Five Wire, just to ensure that we always go out and on a lighter yeah. note. Uh, five quick questions to end the show, every show with. Uh, can you stick around for that? Certainly. The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive, tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Okay, excellent. So first question is one book that you would recommend for all of our listeners? Um, so I don't read much or not because I don't enjoy reading. I love reading. I just don't have, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of time for it. I have, <laughs> yeah, children that I got to drive around. And obviously I spend quite a, time, quite a bit of time reading contracts and leases and so forth. Uh, what, I, what I do have on my next stand today uh, is a book called... Uh, the Daily Stoic, and it's oh yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know it's like half a page every night. I read right. and uh, puts me to sleep. Got a good friend of ours who posts the yeah, page Jayden of Lee. the Daily Stoic every day on his Instagram that you can there you go hold your thumb and read. There might be some copyright issues actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
In in the last five years, Hanny, uh, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a bit of like a I, I call it program, and I teach my kids to follow programs and and you know to be you know to improve productivity and be efficient in everything that you do. So I, I don't you know I don't I don't think I really kind of introduce new beliefs, and I just kind of always fine tune things. I think the biggest change in my life of late has been podcasts. Uh, ironically, um, <laughs> so my, you know, my wife's been telling me that I got to listen to podcasts and, and so I have started doing that and, uh, you know, but it's really because I don't have, you know, I'm not in the car very much. Right. So my commute is literally five minutes from home to the office. Right. So I, you know, I have limited time, but now I listen to podcasts while I walk the dogs. And, nice. uh, yeah. Fantastic. I've been learning. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three, what have you been binge watching lately or a movie recommendation? I haven't been to a movie of late and uh, binge watching. What am I watching right now? I'm watching a show called, uh, it's called Dark Winds. And it's uh, it's like indigenous American kind of drama. Wow. Oh, what's that on? AMC Plus. Okay. Man, that's another... You you get that through Prime Video. Okay, I was going to say, another streaming service I get that. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite band or music, Henny? Um, Well, I kind of grew up in kind of the glam rock days. (laughs) So, uh, you know, know, so I'm like, you know, big GNR fan and, you know, Def Leppard. Yeah. A ton of people in the development, and and maybe it's uh, more the, the age group, but... Lots of GNR fans. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> I feel like that's... And it does, I don't, I'm not sure, it, it is coming back. There's a guy, I go to F45, there's a coach that literally has a mullet perm, a mustache. Oh, like, the younger, it's so, younger people are... But right I want to ask him, like, so what do you, like... Are, is Country, he, probably. Yeah, like, I what kind like... of music, what's, is this all a package of yeah. the 80s, or is it... But man, what a look. It's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. My uh, my 13-year-old son, he sports a mullet. Really? That's, that's more hockey culture. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always been there. In hockey <laughs> it never changed. <laughs> and, and last but not least, something that you have purchased recently for under $1,500 that's had a positive impact on your life. So I, I uh, buy a lot of things. You know what I bought recently and uh, kind of tied to my previous answer? AirPods. I resisted for a long time because it drives me crazy when people have AirPods in. You can't, yeah, right. Can't, like engage, like you can't engage with them. But now I have AirPods, so I wear the AirPods when I walk the dogs and I listen to podcasts. You know, it's it's uh, this sounds actually Matt. Yeah, Matt's got a dog and he's always talking about doing the same thing. But it rem- what you said actually reminds me of, and I think we talked about this on the podcast. We were both in Colombia at Christmas and nobody wears AirPods there. It's pretty, and, and it's I way think more it's, engaged. I, yeah. I the street the culture is way more engaged. And it actually, as I came home, I was like, it's kind of tragic coming back to walk a dog in January where everybody's listening to something. You don't say hi to people on the street where you're, you know, it's just, you lose something, but it, but you, you gain something as well. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the other thing about the, the air, I, I upgraded my AirPods and it's got the noise canceling. So you can't even and see. I, I can't hear somebody even, say I'm hello. At the, well, <laughs> I'm at the gym and then I, I take them out at the end. It's like so loud and I, I haven't even realized I'm like, you know, what am I missing? But probably not much. You're breathing. Yeah, that's what I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> Hanny, how can people find out more about what you're up to? And of course, more about Cressy Development Group. 
Okay. Well, I mean, we, we don't do a very good job of promoting ourselves. You know, what we do a good job promoting of is our condo projects and our and our residential rental projects. And those can be found on our website. So, you know, www.cressy.com, you know, but on the kind of our commercial activities, more kind of under the radar. Yeah. I, I should say, I mean, your product speaks for itself. And uh, I feel like a lot of people that buy Cressy will continue to buy Cressy because it, it's, uh, as we talked about when we, before we went live here, and I've felt this way now ever since I got into the industry. It's a standout type of product. Ever since you used the kitchen. Ever since that. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny though. I mean, just generally speaking, often when you go into like what feels like a great floor plan and, a, and, and great level of finish, you're like, who developed If you don't know who developed it, you'll find out it is Cressy. So definitely just, happy to hear that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it kind of goes kind of to the foundation of what we do. And it's, uh, you know, we, we try not to rely on, you know, kind of our outside consultant team to, uh, you know, to design our projects. We, we very much influence, you know, every step of that design. And, and I think it's, it's why you see that kind of level of consistency, not in that the projects look the same or feel the same, but they have, you know, certain features that set them apart. And, you know, the Cressy kitchen is definitely, you know, something that we uh, hang our hat on. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you can't go wrong with focusing on the kitchen. No kidding. Right. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Henny, for coming down. It was great to have you in the studio and uh, hope, uh, hopefully we'll have you back and hopefully we uh, discover these prices sooner than later. <laughs> Thank you very much. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Henny Lamam, Executive Vice President at Cressy Development Group. Gotta say, having Hanny in the in the studio was awesome. He's only a few doors down, as he mentioned. Really, I think we could have kept going, but I feel like he's a wealth of knowledge across the board. Can talk residential, can talk commercial, insightful things that we haven't really covered on the show. Lots there to unpack. Yeah, I, I feel like there was a, a number of takeaways. The one thing that I mean, we've talked about it before, but it really hits home is you know he's talking about structural changes. Right. in the market and how these things don't happen overnight. Like you don't sort out structural shifts in the economy overnight in a real estate market. It takes years in, in a lot of cases. And one of the things is just that lack, we talked about it right at the end, but it was just like something that has, has kept me thinking, you know, investors in the market are really a driving force of producing more housing, which right. we desperately need. And with these structural shifts, it's just, there's just fewer of them right now because it's just harder, it's harder to be an investor right now than it was a couple of years ago. Uh, With interest rates being what they are. And policy has cut off any real stream of of investment money in many cases. Right. right? And it, and like his final, the the ribbon on the bow there was like, Cressy's not developing any towers right now because they just are not sure that the financing via investors, individual mom and pop investors are there. So it just makes you think, I mean, what, what does this lead to? We've talked about kind of the boom and bust in demand uh, or demand shocks in the market. And it's just uh, one of those things. It's hard to see your way out of this, uh, out of this housing crisis. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, just, just listening to Hanny talk about the market and, and just, you know, his kind of nuanced perspective on everything. I think generally speaking, when you pull back, it is a weird time because now we're in the moment with the high interest rates and where the market has shifted and where certain asset classes no longer pencil where it's it's really when you when you go back in time and you look at moments where everybody was optimistic 
the people that weren't conservative in their, their numbers are the people that that focused on optimism versus do the realism. numbers actually yeah <laughs> realism or do the numbers pencil they're the people that are in trouble right now right and i mean we didn't want to bring up any any projects specifically but there are a lot more headlines right now about projects that are not launching or projects that are even launched and then are not, are not maybe moving forward. So right. anyways, it was a refreshing conversation with Hanny. Lots of great insight and uh, we're all better for it. Absolutely. Uh, what else do we have before we go, Adam? Well, we should just say it's VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. It's our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This, of course, has things like the live wire. This is where you get stats before anyone else, deal of the month, VIP access to pre-sale projects, and of course, that button to support Jaden Lee's run. We also have, of course, the sold plan, start on launch date, hit sell with us or help with selling for the document of your dreams, as uh, as I like to call it. And last but not least, we have private client services. Yeah, Matt, because if you're not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. There's no reason that you shouldn't be using PCS in this market because what it does do is it gives you an indication of what things are selling for. And that's the key right now in this market. What's happening? Are things sitting? Are there price adjustments? It also flags price adjustments, which is always really nice. Yeah. So lots that you can look forward to. The tools getting better every year, every every month, it seems. They're yeah, new iterations so. all the time. Yeah. So it's a fantastic thing you can get access to on our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Just smash that button that says buy with us. Yeah. In this episode, uh, we, we are recording the intro a little bit earlier than it's probably going out. But we have told a Lahaina story on this podcast uh, in the past. So right, shout out. Uh, uh, we're thinking about those folks in Hawaii right now. What a terrible story. So thoughts there. And uh, Matt, how can people get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me at any point, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And of course, we got that Kokomo line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We'll have a great week and we're back next week with another phenomenal episode. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. 